This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, John Carlson will join us with a fresh look at Metro Vancouver real estate and lots more on the 1% Realty story. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. Consumer prices are rising faster in Canada than experts have been predicting. And while bad weather is playing a part, the Trump trade wars may be making things worse. Statistics Canada's Consumer Price Index for May showed prices jumping by 0.4% in a month, four times as quickly as predicted. Much of the increase due to higher food prices, particularly fresh vegetables and some fruits as well. While it's not unusual for prices of some items to spike by large amounts from time to time, analysts say two things are likely driving up the cost of fruit and vegetables here in Canada today. The first, poor weather in California, where Canadian importers source a lot of produce during the winter months. And the second is disruption caused by the Trump administration's tariff war with Mexico and other countries. Quote, it probably means a lot of importers had to find alternative sources to get the produce they needed to sell. Academics studying the food supply say procuring food overseas has become more complicated in the past few months. All the same, the unexpectedly strong inflation bump for May changes the outlook for Canada's economy a little as the Bank of Canada is under less pressure now to lower interest rates if inflation is running hot. So Canadians with debts may not get much relief on their payments, which are now at a record high. Oh, and $6 celery isn't helping anyone. Apple issued a voluntary recall for a limited number of older MacBook Pro laptops this week due to a risk of overheating batteries that could pose a safety risk. The notice affects a select number of 15-inch MacBook Pro computers, mostly sold in 2015 through 2017. Affected laptops can be identified by their serial number. Customers are encouraged to check online to see if their laptop is eligible for a free battery replacement. Apple says service to replace the battery could take one to two weeks, and the program is for battery replacement only. The voluntary recall does not affect any other MacBook products, such as the MacBook Air. A new study shows significant increases in the rates of vaping as well as smoking prevalence among teens in a one-year period between 2017 and 2018, according to the Canadian Cancer Society. The study, published by the British Medical Journal, shows that vaping among young people aged 16 to 19 increased from 8.4% in the summer of 2017 to 14.6% in the same period last year. That's an increase of a whopping 74%. E-cigarettes are supposed to be for adult smokers who have been unable to quit, says the Canadian Cancer Society. But the results of this new study regarding youth trends are of tremendous concern. Given the progress that has been made to reduce youth smoking, we must avoid a new generation of teenagers becoming addicted to nicotine through vaping products. Quote, quote. So the Canadian Cancer Society is now pushing provinces and the feds 
to implement stricter regulations to get vaping out of the hands of youth. They want provinces to increase the minimum age of sale for tobacco and vaping products to 21. If the Cancer Society gets its way, flavored vaping products should also be banned from youth by provinces, and the feds, as should advertisements for vaping products in convenience stores, which, by the way, is already outlawed in some provinces. And finally, we're reported here a few weeks ago that BC Ferries has applied for a license to start a pilot program to serve alcohol in this month of June in the buffet restaurants on three of their ships traveling between Swartz Bay and Tawasson. Well, it appears ferries is having the same problem as many in the hospitality industry in our province. It can't get its liquor license on time. So those plans to serve adult beverages on a few boats are stuck in dry dock. A new data, a date rather, will be set when the license is approved, perhaps before Labor Day. One never knows. In the meantime, as usual, just enjoy the view. Those are some more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at even more later in the hour. But coming right up is Johnny 1%, John Carlson of 1% Realty, with an update on Metro Vancouver real estate right here on Vancouver Consumer. Keep it on CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon of Dragon Boat Weekend. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio now by John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation. Johnny 1% is back in the house. Good day, sir. Hi, Sterling. It's wonderful to be here, as always. Yeah, it, It's nice to have you with us. I, I sent a, a, an article to you that I saw in the paper the other day. This is about what's going on around Metro Vancouver, so let's just jump right into the deep end of the pool here, Why John. Not? Let's do it. And, and, and the article was talking about which Metro Vancouver areas are still seeing strong real estate sales. It was written by Joanna Colley, uh, Connolly, who's a real estate reporter and knows what she's talking about. And Surrey is one of the hot spots in all of Metro Vancouver. Clayton Heights in Surrey, Pitt Meadows. I mean, it's all over. There's not just one hot spot. But interestingly, there seems to be more activity in sort of central Surrey than anywhere else these days. Are you picking up on that? Well, yeah. I mean, the real estate market, you, you'll get a lot of doom and gloom sometimes now because the market has been adjusted. And we've been talking about this for months and months. Sure. But there are always uh, bright spots in the market. There are certain segments of affordability that are still good. And I think the the article you're referencing talks about the sales to active listing ratios. And what does that mean, John? Well, if you look at what properties are selling as a percentage of the overall number of listings, you'll get a ratio for the sales to active ratio. So in hot, hot markets, I mean, even when when everything was selling, it was still about a 60% sales to active listing ratio, because they don't always sell. Some may be relisted at another time and that sort of thing. Right. But what we're finding is, I mean, the numbers are all down this year compared to the hot years previous, but there are some bright spots where the number of listings um, has grown, but the number of sales is also keeping pace pretty well. You mentioned Central Pitt Meadows. Right. Really nice community, affordable, just the other side of the Pitt River Bridge. So some of those frustrated Coquitlam buyers who find pricing still a little bit uh, uh, unaffordable there right. may come over the Pitt River Bridge and find something great in Pitt Meadows. Um, there are other areas. Surrey is always a busy market. Mm-hmm. I've got a new listing coming up in Surrey in a great area. And check my website for that maybe later on in the week. But uh, it's not all doom and gloom. 
The market is a competitive one in every segment. There's no doubt about it. But um, there are some spots that are brighter than others. And that's one of the things that I discuss with people when they invite me out to look at their properties. And, you know, we look at the overall lay of the land, so to speak. John, when you're driving through neighborhoods now looking at those for sale signs, uh, sometimes you see a sticker on the sign saying new price. Sure. That indicates the seller has probably had the house on market for a while, listed at price A that's no longer, it's too high. Uh, so now they've come back to the market. They, they've, they're, they're, they're determined to sell, sure. obviously. So they've simply repriced the property at what they hope is more market attractive. And that's about it, right? I think that's about it. It depends on the situation, but it's not uncommon for people to adjust their pricing. Um, you know, even we talk about the old hot times. Even then there were listings that, that were a little optimistic and then they'd adjust their pricing. So... In a market where fewer listings are selling and there's more choices and it's more tilted towards buyers, your pricing is very important on the market because that's the value proposition you're putting towards a buyer. And buyers right now, I think, are cautious because they understand things are changing a bit and they want to make sure they don't overpay and they want to make sure they get the right value as well as the right property. So, yeah, you're seeing a lot of price reductions out there and that's not a sin to change your price or adjust your price. You're seeing it all over the place. So um, one of the strategies is to try a price that's a little optimistic and then bring it down on a regular basis until you start getting some traction because this market can be hard to define price-wise right now. Mm -hmm. But that's just one of the strategies. So other listings I'm seeing, um, maybe they don't reduce price. I'm still seeing listings in some of these areas that are selling in five days or a week or two weeks or less than 30 days because they represent a good property, but also the value proposition that obviously Obviously, a buyer is found attractive enough to make them jump. Sure. Now, you talk about buyers being cautious. Is there a danger that in, in some buyers' cases, they're, because they realize that they're, they're, the market is changing, prices have come off a little bit, and they're sitting there going, that means they're coming to me. So maybe I'm just going to put my feet up on the desk and wait till they come a whole lot closer before I decide to get into the game, trying to time the market from a buyer's perspective. Sure. Market timing is a dangerous sport on a really good day. Uh, is there a danger in letting something get by you that darn I should have grabbed it while I well I thought it was too high but it turns out it was just the right price you know I suppose there can be a danger either way and it depends on how you interpret the market and what you think is going to be happening uh, yes we've seen adjustments uh, but on the other hand uh, Greater Vancouver real estate is in strong demand and it's being watched by everyone so you know people are going to use their your you know look at their own individual situation and their personal situation decide if the timing's right for them mm-hmm. but I suppose to answer your question there's always a risk of losing something that you might want to get, but there's also a risk of acting. So you got to weigh that, uh, you know, both sides. What I find is that people are still very interested in finding a property. There's lots of people with new kids or marriages or maybe split ups or transfers and all these things. People are looking at real estate here. They're just being a little bit cautious because in the press and all the numbers say that there's a bit of an adjustment going on. Absolutely. Yeah. This is not the end of the world. This is not the sky falling. This is a bit of an adjustment because the recipe in the market has changed with some of these rules and regulations and taxes and, and financing qualification things. Uh, But I do know one thing at 23 years in the business, Real estate doesn't go out of style in this area in Greater Vancouver, the Fraser Valley. And so that's the that's the tricky point. I've had people say to me, hey, John, I heard the market's going to drop for another two years. They read that in the paper. That's right. right. On the radio. Or they say, hey, John, I just heard that we're at the bottom and things are changing. Well, it's a little more complicated than that. You want to look at your own individual market, as we talked about. Certain markets in certain areas might be more competitive than others. Exactly. Certain hot spots. Yeah. And really what I find is, I mean, this is a bit anecdotal, but uh, for a long time, when I go to meet somebody, I would come with an evaluation 
evaluation pretty much prepared and I'd adjust on the fly because okay. if, it, if it's a little better or worse or whatever than I thought, I can make adjustments. Right now I'm finding my preference is to meet people, see the house, and then do an evaluation because I think a big part of the evaluation is finding out if there are a lot of listings in the area, I like to find out you know how much action they're getting and, mm-hmm. and how successful is this one. There might be a wide range of prices and the ones at the top end might not be getting any action and the ones at the bottom end might not be getting as much action either. So an evaluation and pricing and positioning your property right now is is really key because you need to think about polishing that apple, so to speak, bring your strengths and polish it up and get it looking great. But you also need to consider the value proposition and what is actually selling and what is, you know, the range where you will be competitive enough against your near competitors to attract a, a buyer. Well, and you were talking about your 23 years of experience in the business and that uh, that includes some high moments and some low spots. You can't be around for a couple of dozen years and not see the highs and lows of right. any particular business. So that allows you to, 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 to have that perspective, John, that, for example, a lot of first-time home buyers in the marketplace right now out there with cash in their pockets waiting to get into the game uh, have never understood interest rates in excess of maybe 3 or 4%. <laughs> right. I went 12 when I got my first mortgage. And you were uh, darn happy to get it, I, I was bet. thrilled. <laughs> but, you know, it's so it's a different time. And uh, for those who are looking to sell right now, uh, perhaps that voice of experience is precisely what is needed in terms of addressing the changes that you've just identified, whether it's government intervention or interference in the free market or just changes in in the ways uh, sales strategies are conducted, negotiation techniques, all of that stuff. I mean, if the marketplace is as dynamically changing as we know it to be, all the more reason to have an experienced professional in your corner who's seen the highs and lows, who's seen this sort of change come and go before, right. and knows how to navigate the maze. Exactly. And, and when I meet, whether it's a buyer or a seller, I think what I really try to give them is enough information and enough backing and enough you know, uh, comfort about what's going on out there that they can be confident. Confidence is very key right now. Mm-hmm. If you are on the market and you're not really sure, you're not that confident, low offer comes in, maybe you don't know how to deal with it. Um, also, as a buyer, I mean, recently I've had a few people call me saying, hey, I heard you on the radio. Good, good, good. Thank I'd, you. Yes. And, uh, you know, we're looking at buying a property and uh, we want a good agent on our side that can really help us negotiate. Could you right. come and talk to us? Right. And I just, you know, help the people buy a beautiful property in Maple Ridge on one of those type of scenarios. And I think that buyers also, they want to have some confidence that somebody's in their corner that knows the market well enough that can give them good advice. And I tell people, you know, I'm one guy. I'm not the market. Mm-hmm. If I give you an evaluation on your home, it's one opinion. I don't decide what a house is worth, but I think a good agent should know the factors going into that decision well enough to be able to kind of give you a good advice in terms of here's where your success zone on your property. Right. Same thing with a buyer. If you know that you shouldn't be in a hurry, but yet when the right house comes, if you have somebody in your corner that can give you the info and say, hey, you know, maybe we should try a little harder to negotiate on this one, or maybe this one is not so bad and we should, you know, try this strategy. I think it really helps to have a little bit of, or more than a little bit of confidence because buyers are unsure, sellers are a little bit unsure, this thing is settling, and if you have a lot of information behind you to make good decisions, you're going to make a good decision. Well, and, and let's talk a little bit about uh, that that voice of experience again, John, because uh, I, I wanted to address, you, you've already alluded to it a couple of times here, the matter of evaluation, that all-important price point that you present your property to the marketplace, right. especially for that first here we go. Let's put the sign on the lawn and see what happens. Yes. That's that first 
first impression impact moment. So if you haven't had an evaluation for a while uh, and you're considering even considering selling the house, you should talk to someone about the the real value in today's market because yes. that's going to set your expectation levels uh, going into the game. So yes. you won't be too disappointed if you don't get what you were hoping to get maybe two years ago because that's not going to happen. Chances are no. You're right. And, uh, you know, it, you're right. The more information you can have, it's not enough to just look at your neighbor and say, okay, that guy's been on the month. Uh, he's down the street for 30 days and his price is this. Mm-hmm. Therefore, my price should be that. Because that neighbor may or may not be competitive. Um, so, yeah, you're right. There's a lot to go into it. You want to talk to somebody with some experience. You want to see what has sold lately or how long the properties have been on the market that are similar to yours in the area and then make a decision. Some people have a very high motivation level and they say, you know what, I'm going to be sharp on the market because I want to get this done, and I don't want this to take a long time. That's a great strategy. Other people tend to uh, you know, be a little more optimistic and, and maybe reduce as they have to go. But I suggest getting an evaluation by an experienced agent that can kind of give you an idea where you can expect to fall out in terms of price and uh, where the offers may come in. And coming up in our next segment, we'll hear from a couple of clients of John who have been helped by Johnny 1% uh, quite successfully to uh, sell some properties. Uh, just checking the website here, johnny1percent.ca, friends. All one word, johnny1percent.ca. Beware of imitators. Uh, initial services, showing and selling, negotiating and closing. These are the cat- market presence. These are all the categories that a professional realtor does. And of course, and we'll talk more about this after the news, it's 1% realty. So people are going, now wait a second, I'm going to be paying less in commission. That's why I'm interested in this guy in the first place. But I'm kind of already prepared to take less in terms of service provided by this fellow because I'm going to be paying him less in commission. And that's where that sentence should stop. And we get to say, well, wait just a second here. That's not really the case. That's not the 1% business model. No, it isn't. I'm there to get people uh, get their homes sold. If they hire me to sell their home, I give them all the information. I tell them the truth as I understand it. I help them make good decisions, and I don't cut any corners. So just because you may pay a lesser commission, well, you will than most other agents if you work with me or some of my colleagues. Yeah, we'll crunch some numbers for you in the next segment as well. You can save money, and that can be a big advantage when it comes to positioning as well. If you have a number of, if you're in a townhouse complex and there's five or six other units and you want to be the next sale, hey, maybe I can help you sharpen your price up and you can still net as much as you had if you had worked with one of my competitors. So that's another thing we can talk about. Exactly. The the difference in what you were hoping for versus what the market says you're likely to get, some of that difference can be made up by simply paying less commission, keeping more of the loot in your pocket. I, I agree. I mean, I've been doing this, uh, I'm actually nine years at the company. It was May of 2010 that I left to go to 1% Realty, and I've sold about 600 homes in that time. And, um, you know, I, I hear the same questions a lot, and people want to save money. They want a good agent, though, so they're a little bit cautious. That's why I'm out here on the radio letting people know the consumers of the Vancouver Consumer Show that you have options when it comes to selling your home. You don't have to pay a commission of 7% and 25 like a lot of the competitors charge. I offer the same level of service, maybe maybe more experience than the average agent Mm -hmm. for a much more attractive price. And that's one of the things that keeps me very busy, of course, is I offer a great value proposition. So I kind of put my money where my mouth is. I tell people, if you're going to be on the market right now, you got to have a decent value proposition. And I put my money where my mouth is because I believe that my value proposition really can't be beat. There's John Carlson. Lots more at johnny1percent.ca. And we're back with options and your questions after the news.
Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer here on CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by John Carlson. Johnny 1% is in the house from 1% Realty. And I should mention right off the top as we progress back into our next segment here, John, because you're not going to. I always do the the heavy lifting here. Our our guest, friends, is a member of the President's Club. That means he is uh, in the top 1% of all realtors in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. And that was for last year and certainly not your first appearance in that elite group of real estate professionals. Congratulations again. You're keeping the volume up. And of course, we're talking about the 1% business model as we were, John, just before the news. Yes. And I said that we'd be asking a lot of questions that people people email us, people yes. call us, leave voicemail messages for us. And basically, there's still a, a high degree, and you, you see this all the time when people invite you to their homes after hearing you on our program, and, and, and you get this kind of quizzical look that basically says, what don't I get for paying less commission? You know, I do get that question all the time. But, you know, it just occurred to me that I might want to say hello to people that listen on a regular basis, because what I'm finding is I went and met a lady in Surrey uh, just a couple days ago, and it was a bit the opposite. So you're right. I do get that. Gee, what am I not getting? What am I not getting? What am I forfeiting here? Price is kind of cheap, and I don't know how that translates into, you know, how that's going to work for me. But on this particular occasion, I'm getting more of these. I had a lady that says, you know what? I feel very well prepared. I've been listening to you forever on your radio show. Excellent. I have a very good idea what the market's doing. I did. So, of course, we walked through. We touched on everything. Mm-hmm. But I noticed her saying, no, I listen to you quite a bit, and I, have, I understand this, and I understand that. So I think, hey, thank you, all you listeners out there. Maybe I haven't heard from some of you yet, but I'm always available when the time is right for you to give me a call and come and take a look at your property. But, yeah, Sterling, people want to know, what's the catch? Well, When I went to 1% Realty in 2010, I did it because I suspected that buyers were more empowered. People, as prices went up and commissions went up, a whole bunch of realtors jumped in the game. And, you know, still the average realtor still only does a handful of sales a year. Yes, I know. It it occurred to me that it might not be a very consumer-friendly model to have a whole bunch of agents making big commissions to survive and people, you know, paying twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars to sell their properties when it was a really hot market. And I thought people want better value. I think they're gonna be in a position to get better value. So I can either fight the change or roll with it. And mm-hmm. I decided to roll with it. And you know, it's been a great decision for me. As you mentioned, I've I've done a lot of business and I've I've achieved some awards. And part of that is because I have a huge advantage over my com- competition. Sure. I'm an established agent with a proven track record and I save you money. I mean, how how bad is that? So that's a pretty good thing. So thanks for mentioning it. I do have a bit of an advantage, and I pass that advantage on to my sellers. Uh, so it's not just about the expertise and the planning. It also comes down to hard numbers and dollars. And sometimes people call me and they say that, hey, John, you sound fine. The reason I'm calling you, I want to save that 10 grand. I want to save that 20 grand compared to the guy that just was in here and quoted me his commission. So right. either way, I'm happy. Call me either way. Well, let's talk about the services. Let's talk about the package, the 1% package. You've been in this sure. business a couple of dozen years. Uh, you've worked for other companies. You've been with 1% for nine years now. Congratulations right. on your anniversary. Thank you. Uh, and, and so let's talk about the, the difference between the package offered to sellers by 1% agents like yourself versus the package offered by agents from other firms who charge higher commission rates. What's the difference in the service package, John? That's a tough question because I don't know everything that every other agent is doing out there, but I can tell you that there are a lot of commonalities uh, between us agents, real, realtors at all the different companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, we rely heavily on MLS, obviously. So there's the public sites like realtor.ca and all that sort of thing. And to be positioned properly on those websites and MLS where people are looking is is the main driver of real estate in this area. So at 1% Realty, you're on MLS, just like every other company. Of course, we're going to be on MLS. Although 
I do sometimes have people comment, oh, I, another agent told me or someone said that you might not be on MLS if, if I list with you. Of course we're on MLS. Right, so right, right. You want to be where the game's played, and that's where the game's played, basically. Um, I, I do open houses. I do, uh, if you go to my website, you'll see some pretty good photography of our homes. Virtual to, tours. 3D tours. We, yeah. we, here's, you know, in a nutshell, without getting too detailed, when you're on the real estate market, you want to be positioned well and you want to be groomed properly. You want to lead with your strengths. So, for instance, I've got a brand new listing in Maple Ridge. It's going to hit the market very soon. Six ninety nine, two thousand square foot house with a nice big yard. Used to have a suite in the basement. The plumbing's all there. Put a suite. This is a good listing. Okay. Well, we're leading with the strengths. This one happens to have those features. The neighborhood is good. It's got a large deck. Now this one needs a new kitchen kind of thing. So that's something we've, we've accommodated in the price. But we're leading with our strengths. And when this listing hits, it's going to be good. It's going to be attractive. So again, you want to look good on MLS. There's social media campaigns. We'll do Facebook campaigns, that sort of thing. Um, really, it, the, the job that I do now, the decision I made in 2009 was that I was going to go to 1% realty and I was going to do more volume of business and I was not going to have to spend my valuable time and money trying to hunt down business. It right. was just going to come to me. And right. it did. Uh, so that strategy worked quite well. But I also knew that if I were to cut services, that it, it wouldn't be as attractive. You know, it'd be kind of like the gum that the flavor is really bad, but it lasts a long time. If you're an attractive price, but you don't provide the service, there's no point whatsoever. So my philosophy, again, this is the Johnny 1% philosophy, full service, experienced agent. I tell the truth as I understand it, and I represent the interests of those clients as if they were my own interest, and they save money at the end of the process, and that's really the cherry on top. So that's my whole philosophy, uh, and uh, if you want to give me a call and find out more about how that works, I'm always available. 604-612-0080. Again, 604 612 Zero zero eight zero. That's John Carlson's number. Give him a couple of mornings, more minutes. He's on the radio, but give him a call after the broadcast is over. John, you alluded to this a few moments ago. The the notion that, uh, and again, this comes up when you're having a coffee with a prospective client in their kitchen, uh, and they're wanting to know more about the one percent business model, how you do business, and all the rest of it. And I'm sure more than a few have expressed what you mentioned a few moments ago, some degree of reservation about the willingness of agents from other companies to show their property, right. uh, given the understanding that if the agent is involved in the sale, that person is going to make less commission. So why bother is sort of the way they approach that question. Well, I've heard that. Absolutely. Um, I guess I could answer it. You know, I, I, If someone were to say that to me, I might say, well, well explain how that works to me. If, if an agent has a client and he's showing homes, that agent has the duty to show all available homes that meet the client's interests. Sure. Otherwise, you're not representing your client's uh, interests. If you were to say, if I were to say be an agent and, and I didn't want to show a, a property like myself, like a 1% realty listing that mm-hmm. had a lower commission, or maybe I didn't want to show a bank foreclosure because that has a lower commission, or there's all kinds of them out there. What that would mean was my very first interest is my own commission. And that goes completely against the agency relationship. So I'm happy to say agents are ethical people. They understand that they have a a job to do in representing their clients' interests. Mm -hmm. And that means showing all available properties. Also, it doesn't hurt that these properties are readily available online and the buyers know about them anyway. Well, I was just going to say that. You know, I mean, that's the other part of it. You talked about Realtor.ca and MLS and today's consumer. This is the Vancouver Consumer Show. And you have said umpteen times, today's consumer is an incredibly well-informed individual. Homework is is not hard to do when you have a computer. So why wouldn't? Then you would get a little quizzical, I think, about the agent. Well, why aren't you going to show me that house two blocks away? I, I saw it online this morning. 
I, I would I, think. The, the, yeah. the, the agent's going to look a little silly if they don't bother uh, following through. Well, I can't comment on other of agents course, and how they course. might work, but this but, is my experience that, you know, agents show the property, agents want to get paid, and they want to get a fair, a fair price. And I've had offers come from other agents where both the buyer and the agent sign off and they say, hey, would you increase the commission to my agent? Well, that becomes a negotiation. Right. Most of the time, the buyer doesn't really care that much about commission, I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, and so that kind of a, a request is not that difficult to deal with. I think the question comes to this. If you're, if you're at all in doubt about, hey, gee, 1% realty, maybe John's a good guy. Maybe he knows what he's doing. But, gee, other agents, will they show my property? Exactly, yeah. Just think about this. If you're a buyer out there, is commission on a property going to sway you one way or another about whether that property is right or are you like the majority of buyers where you say, hey, there's a certain kind of property I want. There's a price I'll pay. That's right. And I want to get the best deal I can. I want good representation. I want my agent to look after me. But really, I mean, what I want is the best deal for myself. And I think a lot of consumers believe, correctly or incorrectly, that some commission rates have gotten pretty high. Mm-hmm. And it may be they're questioning that. And that's really where I come into play here. I mean, you don't sacrifice quality you don't sa- of agent. You don't sacrifice service. Really what you do is you get a top-notch job for less money. And I think that's going to be the continuing trend. I think I'm on the cutting edge of this because this market's going to continue to change. The business models are going to continue to change. Yes. Technology continues to change. And I think that the consumers in the real estate market, buyers and sellers, are going to continue to get better and better value as these roles, as these years roll on. And I'm happy to be at the tip of that. But for now, for today, I really think I'm the best alternative. So give me a call. All right. 604-612-0080. And uh, here's a few words on a Saturday afternoon from a client of John's who has uh, experienced the 1% business service model. Here's Shirley. Well, I originally had heard him on the radio on your station, which I listened to faithfully. And, uh, you know, I heard his uh, advertising. And uh, when it was time for me to uh, make my move, because both my kids were in Alberta, I um, called him last fall and uh, because he says, come out and... You know, my husband used to be in real estate years ago, and when 1% came on the market, I thought, boy, you're not going to get advertising. You're, you know, you're going to have to pay this, and you're, gonna, you know, you're not going to get the service. But it's totally wrong. Um, John was always available for phone calls, and uh, he is no different than, you know, the 1% is no different than any other real estate company out there. It's just a matter of the difference of commissions. They say moving is one of the most stressful times in your life, and John Carlson made it so easy. My house sold on the first open with multiple offers, and he saved me $20,000 in commissions. I would definitely recommend John as he's knowledgeable and professional, and you won't regret it. Thanks again, John and family for being so easy to deal with. Well, that's a pretty resounding uh, testimonial from Shirley, uh, whose husband was a realtor once yes. upon a time ago. This woman knows the game, John, and she's a very satisfied customer. That's right. And he's, as you, thank you, Shirley. It was, I mean, it was great, obviously, working for Shirley. Sure, no um, kidding. What part of town did uh, Shirley live in? Central Coquitlam. Okay. A nice house. And, um, you know, she gave me an excellent listing to work with. And I'm glad that she saved that $20,000 compared to what the other agents were charging because... Uh, you know, that's $20,000 in her pocket. That's that's a big deal. So it, it is nice always to hear these kind of testimonials. And I think it's good for the, the public, too, because, 
it's kind of funny. I met somebody else this last week, and, and she was saying to me, you know, I've listened to your radio show, and I've heard these testimonials, and I've often wondered, are these real people? Or are yeah, these right, people right. that you pay? <laughs> exactly. Are and, these actors? No, they're not. They're happy people who have right. had the benefit of, of your service. That's right. And I'll, I'll say to people out there, if I come and work for you and get your home sold, my goal really is to make you happy enough to let Ben Dooley, our, our wonderful producer, give you a call, and you can tell them what you think, and we'll play it on the next show. So, again, making people happy, getting their home sold is what I do. That's my focus. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's quicker, sometimes it takes a little bit longer. But the focus, again, full service, proper results, saving people money, making them happy, and then getting the referrals. So that's my business. Lots more content and lots more information available at uh, John's excellent website, friends. It's johnny1percent, all one word, johnny1percent.ca. johnny1percent.ca. The phone number, you can request an evaluation, uh, click on a button and and have a, 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 a range for a meeting, those sorts of things. And also, right in the middle of the homepage of johnny1percent.ca is the all-important Important commission grid. And this is my favorite part of the website because it's so clear, John. It's just right there and as plain as the nose on your face. Let's take a typical Vancouver property and a, a million bucks is a pretty normal number right. uh, for a property to sell in Vancouver. Uh, and uh, there are three columns next to this one. How much will you save is the, is the title of the piece. Your property valued at $1 million. The commission for most other brokers on that $1 million sale is 29500 The commission for 1% realty on exactly the same property for exactly the same sale is uh, $10,950. The savings, net savings to you, the seller, is 18500 bucks. Sure. That's and, real money. And as Shirley just said, moving can be one of the more stressful moments in anyone's life. And if you've got a little extra cash in your pocket to ease the pain somewhat, it just makes things a whole lot easier and makes the whole process that much smoother. You need that money. Completion, moving, buying again, all that sort of stuff. It is. It's real money. And, uh, you know, Shirley just demonstrated uh, she was in the 1.2 range and she saved a little over 20 grand as far as I recall. Exactly, so, yeah. That's real money. And and there's the results right there. So I, don't, I never expect someone to take a salesman's word for it, but uh, Shirley was a very good testimonial, and I, you know, I, I hope that that helps people get confidence to give me a shout. All right, six zero four six one two zero zero eight zero. He's uh, being sprung for good behavior, friends. So you can give him a call anytime now. Six zero four six one two zero zero eight zero. John Carlson's phone number. Uh, all this information available on his website, Johnny One Percent CA. John, thanks for popping in. Good to see you again. We'll catch up to you in a couple of weeks. See you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Sterling. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to John Carlson of 1% Realty for another helpful visit. John will be back in a couple of weeks. Next weekend, we'll talk financial problems with the folks from BDO First Call Debt Solutions and mortgage broker Angela Calla will bring us all up to speed on the latest from the housing sector. Time now for Dooley Noted. And this time around, our producer Ben Dooley looks at TransLink's change to distance-based fares. Thanks, Sterling. TransLink won't be implementing a distance-based fare system until well after 2020, according to a report at its annual general meeting in Richmond on Wednesday. The shift was one of several recommendations included in TransLink's 2018 Transit Fare Review and was approved last summer. But the agency's first quarterly report says Compass technology upgrades will be required to handle the more complex fares. The report said a finalized business case, including costs, could be produced by 2020 with implementation of the new tech 
taking at least two years. On top of that, here is CEO Kevin Desmond. Um, yes, it remains um, part of the um, priorities uh, for TransLink. We've got to convert um, elements of how Compass works to make that happen. Other recommendations in the field of view, such as looking at targeted time of day discounts to reduce overcrowding and expanded discounts for youth and low-income people would be possible with current technology. Work on the ideas is scheduled throughout this year, the report said. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thanks, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. Police in Quebec have confirmed the personal information of 2.7 million individual members and customers of the Desjardins Financial Group, along with 173,000 businesses, have been shared with people outside their organization by an employee who has since been fired. Information included names, addresses, phone numbers, social insurance numbers, emails, and some banking habit details. Passwords security questions and personal ID numbers were not compromised. Desjardins is assuring its members and clients that it has hired experts and is working closely with police to protect its members and clients' personal information, accounts, and assets. As a precaution, Desjardins is offering affected members a credit monitoring plan and identity theft insurance for a full year paid for by them. These members will be contacted directly and an activation code will be included in the letter they receive. A new study from McGill University on Airbnb in Canada is giving us a look at what the normal long-term rental supply would be if short-term rental companies were not part of our marketplace. This new study finds that Airbnb has literally removed more than 31,000 units from the country's long-term rental supply, and nowhere in the country has been more impacted by Airbnb than B.C., where we have a disproportionately large number of short-term rental units. One of the study's authors went so far as to say that we would have twice the rental supply right now if Airbnb was not a factor. Airbnb, for its part, says, hey, hey, those numbers aren't accurate. Wait a second here. Somebody's right. And I vote for Team McGill. And that is our show for today, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira at the controls. We appreciate your feedback. And if you have any thoughts or suggestions for the show, please send them along to us to Sterling at CKNW. Or you can tweet them to us at Van Consumer. And reminder, too, that you can listen to this program anytime you want at Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts. We're back with you next Saturday at 2 o'clock right here on CKNW for another edition of Vancouver Consumer. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.